Yeah, happy Father's Day to all you dads. We are absolutely honored to have all of you with us today. And uh, so here we are. Um, we are in the last part, believe it or not, from closing out this series today on running with the Giants, okay? We have, uh, we've, we've been in it for eight weeks now. And uh, I don't know about you, I've learned a lot about these individuals that we've picked out through Scripture and that we've uh, kind of honed in on and looked at some things that were challenging, but then also the encouragement that we gain from those individuals within those Scriptures that we, we looked at. But we looked at this one particular verse, and uh, as, I, as I've mentioned before, you guys by now should have completely memorized this Scripture Okay, Hebrews chapter 1, or excuse me, look, I done messed up, all right, I, week 8, and I already gave you the wrong destination. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, says what? Therefore, now we understand the word therefore is a continuation of the previous chapter in chapter 11. Chapter 11 was talking to us all about the big heroes of faith. Right? Those individuals, uh, don't read it right now, you need to listen to my message, but I encourage you when you get home, take a look at that. It's an encouraging chapter. You'll see where God used ordinary people, took their giftings, talents, abilities, made them extraordinary, and done wonderful things uh, for the body of Christ and what, what you and I are still reaping today because we are learning of them. But it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us do something, right? Let us what? Throw off everything. Some, look at the person beside you. You know I was going to say this anyway. Look at the person beside you and say everything. everything. Say it with a little bit more enthusiasm, right? Everything. Everything that what? That hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles, in other words, we get sucked into that web, right? And let us, here comes the key to this entire series, run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Or let's put the word you there as well, all right? The race that's been marked out for you as an individual. Understand this whole thing that we call life, it's, it's a journey, it's a race, it's a marathon, now, we've all watched marathons. You know where I'm going with this one, too, all right? We've watched them, and what do you see these runners? You know, they're, they're gasping, they're dying for air. It's kind of like me at the Y, okay? You know, I, I get on the treadmill. I don't run a marathon, but I get on the treadmill, and, and, and I do, I'm not going to tell you how much I run because some of you might judge me for that, all right? But somewhere along the way, I'm like, I could use a, something to drink here, right? I, I need some water. I, I'm watching ESPN on the, on the screen, and here's what I do. Sometimes it happens when it goes into a commercial, and it'll be like a really boring commercial. And I'm running. I'm trying to keep pace, and the commercial is extremely boring to me, right? It's, in other words, it's like a sad commercial it's a slow commercial and I'm trying to keep pace so I'm praying that the next commercial is one that's energetic it's one that's wanting me you know go after your goal go after these things right so here's what happens within this scripture here's what we can learn about and take note from the scripture is that we run a race we are in a journey and sometimes believe it or not it gets really tough like there's moments that you're running this race called life 
and you just get plumb whipped. You're wore out. You're, you're just, you're ready to give up, lay down, and say, I just can't go another minute. Well, God's telling us in the scripture that, look, you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And they're there to do something to encourage you. You know, you watch the, like the Boston Marathon, and these people, you know, they're running, and, and, and all along the side are people who, they have no idea who they are. They don't know them, but what are they doing? They're encouraging. They're cheering them on, right? They're helping them along the way. They're motivating them emotionally. But here's what I always find fascinating, is that somewhere along the route, people have cups of water or bottles of water, right? I always think, did somebody spit in that water before they gave it to that person? Anybody else ever think that, or am I the only crazy one? All right, me and you, brother, all right? So, you know, but, but what do they do? They're there, they're what? That's to replenish, that's to encourage, that's to rehydrate, help them to go along to the next stage. You know, this, this life that we live in sometimes is set up in stages. There's seasons where things are going fabulous and they're going great, and then there's other seasons where, oh my gosh, I don't think I can take another step. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look in our last one here of what would be one of the greatest heroes of faith at all. Already we've looked at, at Isaiah, we've looked at Jacob, we looked at Sarah, we looked at Jonah, we looked at Rahab, that was a shocker, right? We looked at Elijah, we looked at the cousin John the Baptist who at any moment, or cousin of Jesus John the Baptist, who at any moment could name drop. Have you ever name dropped before just to try to get along somewhere and, 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 and get something out of it? Okay, so y'all are holier than me, okay? I have, right? I have name dropped before, and usually it just doesn't work. But anyway, we're going to take a look at one of the biggest, most influential giants of all. And if you don't look any further than this man, you would receive all the inspiration that you would ever need. In fact, we're going to go ahead and take a look at verse 2 through 3. We're actually going to go beyond verse 1, and you're going to see who he is. Fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. On who? He is the what? The pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning what? It's shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and do what? Lose heart. Jesus is unique in the sense that every temptation, every sin, every trial, the Bible says that he has experienced it all. He has been tempted in all points of life, but yet he never sinned. In fact, we have a high priest in Jesus who does what? Who is able to sympathize. Understand that. He's able to sympathize even in your hard times. Jesus is he's not looking down on us in a sense of condemnation because we understand that condemnation is set to drive us away from God. Understand that. Condemnation is set to drive us away from God, but conviction is set to drive us toward God. In other words, making a path, opening an opportunity to get closer to God. So we understand that Jesus... Is, is, is not looking down on us in condemnation, saying you can't, what, get your act together. 
He's not sitting there saying, seriously, are you praying about this again? Have you not yet learned your lesson? Have you ever said that to your kids before? I think that's part of my daily uh, vocabulary, right? Have you, not lear- have you not figured this out yet? You can't hit your brother without getting in trouble. Stop tattling because I'm going to come down on you for that. You know, things like that. It, Jesus doesn't sit up in heaven and go, really, guys, really? He's not looking at you and going, well, pfft, I'm going to just going to condemn you to hell for that. He's not doing that as a Christ follower. We understand that he's full of compassion and love and understanding because he himself has also been tempted to every aspect that you could ever be tempted on. The only difference between him and us is that he was able to overcome it and not give in to it. So we can approach Jesus with confidence because we understand that he understands what we are going through. Now, if we were to study how Jesus did this and getting through that sin that so easily entangles us, we would learn of some life lessons and some things that we could um, get example from and we could pattern possibly our own life after. And so that's exactly kind of what we're going to do today. And and we're, we're really dedicating this to everybody who is here who just feels, what, tired, dead, wore out spiritually, how about this? Indifferent? How many times have we, 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 just, we just feel indifferent even within our relationship with Christ? What do I mean by indifferent? Just like blah. Not really sure what's up. Not really sure what's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm going through the motions. There are moments where, you know what, I'm going to be honest with you. There's moments where we just want to give up. I'm just going to, be, I'm just going to throw it out there. Guess what? I'm a pastor. And, and I'm going to be transparent here for, for you for a moment. But there's moments, even as a pastor, I just want to go, Lord, I don't think I'm cut out to do this preaching of your word. Because I, 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 I sit there and go, I'm unworthy of the task. I, I, I found myself, what? Easily becoming entangled in sin. Easily, what? Allowing myself to, to just like you. You know, I, I get people, you know, they, they, uh, they, they'll tell me, Pastor, you know, uh, really see God doing great things in the church. And, and I'm glad you do. I do too. I see it happening. I see God really pouring out his spirit and, and touching people's lives. But I'm going to be very transparent with you. My worst day and my best day are all in the same day. My favorite day of the week is Sunday. I absolutely love Sunday until about 7 p.m. every Sunday night. Because here's what happens to me. I start looking and I start thinking back on the day and I go, I could have done that better. Man, I really missed that point. I don't, you know what? That person was like out in la-la land because I saw them while I was speaking. Ah, you don't think I don't observe that mess. I see it, right? And, and so my worst moment, if you want to pray for your pastor today, when you see seven o'clock, be like, Lord, well, I'm lifting up the pastor right now because I know he saw me sleeping. All right. Here's what we have to do, though. Here's what, when times get tough, it's real simple. It's a phrase that we've used and we've sung songs about and, and you've told people, you've heard people preach on it. It's simply this, keep your eyes on Jesus. We're going to look at what Jesus went through and study how he was o- able to overcome some of these sins that so easily entangle, some of these emotions that were really just grasping him. We, what we call, let, let me go backwards here a little bit with him. We call Good Friday Good Friday. Well, let's be honest. It's good for us. 
but it was absolutely horrible for him. I mean, you think about what he had gone through. My worst part of the week is in no comparison to what Jesus Christ had gone through. And so if we're going to study and we're going to see how he was over, able to overcome, let's take a look at what was the worst day of his life. He not only took the brutality of what? Scourging. He not only took a crown that was painful. He not only took on nails and a spear. But while he was going through all of this, while he was going through all of this pain, all of this torment, he was still able to teach us, you and I, some very valuable things. In fact, you have to look throughout all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in order to figure these next seven statements that we're going to take a look at that Jesus said on the cross. And they're valuable to us, and they will help us in our everyday walk. In fact, what I would encourage you to do is if you have your, your, your outline or your own you version, whatever it is, I would write these things down and I would put them somewhere strategically that way throughout your day. You would look at them and you could be reminded, even when you're going through your tough times, even when you're going through your turmoil, even when you're going through your indifference or just going through the motions or watch this, even when things are going great, you can still be reminded of these seven statements. All right, the first one we're going to look at is this. Forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life, or who you think's trying to ruin your life, right? Have you ever met someone, and then a little later on after meeting them, you determined that the gift of their life was to ruin yours? Don't look at your spouse, please. Think about that. Have you ever met somebody and you're like, man, I could have went without meeting them before, right? Some of you, you're going through what we would call relational wounds because of some of this, where, where someone has hurt you deeply, where someone has, has either said things about you or people have cut off relationship, and it's become a great source that is keeping you from running the race that God has set out before you. Think about this. Jesus is being mocked on his worst day. He's being sat, spat upon brutality. The ones that he came to live for and to die for are the very ones who want to see him murdered. You think you have some bad relationships. How do you think he felt within his? The ones that he has so much compassion and love are the very ones who are in charge of and have orchestrated the torment that he was to go through. He's trying to, to, to think about this on the cross as he's there. We're going to look at a statement here in just a minute, but think about as he's on the cross. He's nailed on that cross. He's placed there. He's in a moment of, of, of agony and pain. But understand this, the pain and, and the nails weren't the thing that was meant to kill him. That was, was not what was eventually going to take his life. What was going to take his life was that he had no capability to support himself. And so he would eventually suffocate. Now, have you ever lost your breath? Right? I remember playing football. You get hit so hard, the wind knocked out of you. Anybody ever had your wind knocked out of you? It's not a fun moment. 
you're like, oh, this is the big one, right? This is it. I'm out. I'm going to expire right here. You like the word expire? That's better than the other one, right? But imagine this for a moment. Here's Jesus. He's on this cross, and he's losing his breath. He's losing his air. And he does everything he can to prop himself out to say these words in Luke 23. He says this, Father, forgive them. That's powerful. The very ones. And he's saying, Lord, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. What they're doing hurts, but they don't know what they're doing. Listen, don't do it for the person, but do it for you. Think about that. Do it for you. Resentment, jealousy, revenge, these are all emotions that will break you down. They're all emotions that you will allow to creep inside of you that will bring up a separation between you and what God's plan, purpose, and will is for your life. You will not live in joy and peace if you continually have this resentment, this anger, this frustration, these emotions toward individuals. Jesus, in this moment, demonstrated with one statement, with something that we all should do. Father, forgive them. Forgive them for what they're doing because, listen, I can't be encaged and separated from you with these emotions. I must, Lord, be in, in, in right relationship when it comes to you. And if that means I need to forgive what others have done to me, then so be it. I need to forgive. I need to push that aside. Jesus highlights this in Matthew uh, chapter 6. Um, he says in verse 14 through 15, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, watch this, your heavenly Father will also what? Forgive you. Now who needs some forgiveness? Okay, there's a couple of you. <laughs> verse 15 goes on to say, But... If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's huge. That's huge. That's a game changer. That's one that we don't like to really focus on because we want to say, Lord, I'm coming to, I'm going to repent before the Lord. That's great. You're repenting. You're asking for forgiveness. But have you asked for forgiveness for those who have wronged you? Have, have you literally taken the time to go, God, help my, my heart here? Oh, pastor, there's not a lot of amens in this. I, I get it. I get it. Because it, some, some of you have been hurt deeply. I understand that. I am not taking away from the pain and the hurt that you've gone through. But I want to let you understand something. It's not the individual who's against you. It's the enemy who is against you. The enemy just is using someone to, to, to what? Target you to get you and distract you away from what God has planned for your life. So when you are being hurt by others, you should be encouraged. Ooh, Pat, no, I don't feel that. I, ooh, no, I don't got the bumps. Not happening. Sorry. You know, you should be encouraged because here's how I see it. That Satan is very upset with your life and he's going to do everything he can to keep God's power out of it. You distracted away from it so that he can have his will and his plan to come to be. So forgiveness is not minimizing 
the seriousness of what took place. It's not saying that what they did was all right or that it was okay. But what Jesus is saying is, let it, let, let, let's not let this be on your record, on my record, but let's allow God to avenge. Let's allow, uh, what, God to take care of it. All right, number two, here we go. Another statement that Jesus gives is this, help others who are experiencing your same struggle. Beautiful principle to test and see how true it is. On your worst day, find someone on their worst day and then help them. Let's take a look in Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 40. It says this, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for what for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. What a beautiful moment for this man. Jesus could have responded by saying, look, I've got my own issues right now. Look, I got my own problem. I'm, look, we're all in the same predicament. And you want me to do something for you? You ever been there? You ever had that attitude? You ever demonstrated that? I have. As a pastor, here you go, another transparent moment. I've had other pastors call me and go, I need to tell you about my problems. I'm like, no, I need to tell you about mine first. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on. In this moment, Jesus, he's, he's not worried about what he's going through. Watch what he says. He says this, Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. This is why we encourage you what, to invite people to be in the house of God. This is why we want you to bring people here. You know, I, 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 I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to use names because I don't want to call anyone out and I don't want to lift anyone or leave anybody out. But there's some people within our church here who I am just, I'm, I'm at awe at how they invite people to this place. I really am. The fruits of their labor shows how God uses them. I went and saw a lady this past week, who was in the hospital, and she's witnessing to everybody. And I'm like, she needs to be taken care of, but she's making sure they're being taken care of eternally first. How encouraging is that when we can take what we're going through, lay it aside, and begin to reach other people? Do you not think that God does not intervene in those situations for the individuals? Absolutely. When's the last time you took the attention off of your problems and you began your attention on someone else's? That whole me mentality, look at me, look at my social media. Oh my gosh, I'm going through it today. People, help me. I understand you're going through it. You want prayer. I get it. But how about we start reaching out to people that you know who are in need and let's go after and take care of them. You know what I've always found it to be so encouraging is this, that when I get my attention off my problems and I put my attention on someone else's problems, mine become minimal then. And eventually, you know, we always say this, time takes care of everything, right? I like to say God takes care of everything in his what? Timing. All right, here we go. Let's take, let's take a, uh, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 10 says, And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, I love this. Then what your, everybody say your. your. 
light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. In other words, what? Your day will become a great day simply because you have spent yourself on behalf of someone who needed something. That's what Jesus did in that moment. And not only to that one criminal that was beside him did he do that for, but he also did that for you and I in that very moment. He looked past and beyond his own circumstance, and he was focused on your situation, your life. All right, number three. Here we go. Be sure you've taken care of those closest to you. Now, this one will hit you hard. It should. It hit me hard when I was going through this. On your bad day, it's people who you love the most. Listen to me now. On your bad day, it's those who you love the most who end up with the brunt of your bad day. There's some chuckles. There's some smiles. I saw some stares. Okay? In other words, you will be nice to everyone else in this whole entire world. Your circle of influence, you will be, oh, life's great. Yeah. You know? Your boss, oh, it's, yes, I'm excited to work overtime today. You know? And you'll get home to the kids and to the spouse, and you'll be, rah, 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 get out of my face. Where's my dinner? Come on now. Why didn't you mow the grass while I got to mow the grass? Come on. Sometimes what we do is we take it out on those who are closest to us. Our bad times. Your kids, your spouse, your intermediate family. You will take it out on them. Watch this. Let's take a look in Scripture. John chapter 19, 26 through 27 says, When Jesus saw his mother there. Now remember, he's in his worst day, right? His worst day, and his mom's there. My mom's called me before. I love her. I got to. It's my mom, right? But I love her besides that. But anyway, so I love her, but she's called me before, and, and I've had a bad day. And, and anybody ever smart off to your mom? Even as an adult, you're still smart off to your mom? Okay. I got issues. I've got lots of issues. And, and she'll be like, and I'll say something, she'll be like, I don't know what kind of day you just had. I am still your mother. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Right? Yes, ma'am, you are. All right? My bad. My bad. Sorry, Mom. When Jesus saw his mother on his worst day there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, where is your son? Or, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple... Here is your mother. From that time on, his disciples took her in, or his, this disciple took her in to his home. Understanding that Mary was standing there watching her son die, watching her son in excruciating pain in the worst moment. Out of the 12 disciples, only one shows up, and that is John. And as Jesus is in this situation, he's, his attention, though, is not on his pain, his attention is not on his suffering, but making sure those who are closest to him, his mother himself, was what? Being taken care of. Most, you know, mo most believe you know, that, that uh, his, his earthly father, Joseph, had prematurely had already passed. So here his mom is all on her own with one of the disciples. 
And even on Jesus' worst day, he wasn't dumping on those who was closest to him. He still had what? Love, compassion, understanding. Looking out, he was selfless in this entire moment. And his attention was on her. All right, here we go. Number four. Realize that until you get to heaven, there are some things that you will just never understand. There are some things you're just never going to get. I've got seasons in my life where I want to go, God, I'm thankful that I got through it. I'm thankful I'm on the other side of it. I'm thankful for the reward and the blessing that you have given me because of it. But could we not have found a different way? Anybody else agree on that one, right? When you are in a bad day, you feel like what? Giving up. You feel like running that race no longer. We, we, we say things like this. This is not fair. No one else is going through what I'm going through. You ever said that one before, right? Do I really deserve this, God? Okay. I don't know if Jesus really felt that way or not, but I do see here in the scripture on the fourth statement, he does do something very interesting. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, he says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Why am I in this situation? Why me? Why now? Why? 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 We've been there, right? You've been there lots of times. Why? Why do I got to sit here and, 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 and be treated this way? Why are my kids not listening to me? Why does it feel like everything around me is crumbling apart? Why are my relations busting up right in front of me? Why? Here's Jesus in his worst moment. And we see a moment there of, of, of the natural side of him coming out going, why? Like seriously, why? We know that Jesus was tempted in every way that we have ever been tempted in. So we understand that even through this difficult moment, he himself, he understands. In the middle of your worst day, he can understand why you would say why. All right, here we go. Number five. Something that we need to do. Be human enough to acknowledge your need. That's a great one for Father's Day, isn't it? Be human enough to acknowledge your need. Have you, ever, have you ever been so stubborn that like you, you, you didn't ask for help? Now this is before GPSs came out. And this is what my dad, not me. My dad, because see, I'm a directions guy. Is there any other guys that like, I read the directions before I do something. I know we're few and far between, okay? But some of us are perfect, all right? There we go. I'm a directions kind of guy, and I think because my father was not, or still isn't, right? And, and, and so I, I remember we would take family trips to my brother's house. That's where our trip's located, you know. And, or, or we would go to some church conference somewhere. And I remember on one, and my dad, he's like, he's driving, and, and I think we ended up going to Indianapolis, Indiana. And we, we were traveling from, from Baltimore. And, and so we're driving, right? And I'm in the back seat, bored out of my mind. I'm probably like 10 or 11 years old. And, and remember the maps? Like the maps? That, my father-in-law still uses them. He's right over there. You can all judge him later. All right? We go, we go to Lancaster. You know, sometimes, and, and I'm like, he's like, he's breaking out his, his big, sorry, Joe. I love you, man. Happy Father's Day. 
It's your present from me to you. You know, and he's breaking out his map. And I'm like, Joe, I got a GPS right there. We don't need a map, man. He's, I just like to see where we're at. <laughs> Look out the window. You'll see. All right. So anyway, anyway, I'm going to get it later. So anyway, so here we are. We're, we're, we're traveling. And, 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 you know, my mom, you know, she, she, she's got the map, you know. And my dad is, you know, where are we at? Phyllis! You know, Phyllis, that's her name, right? And I'm just going, this is, this is dumb, you know? And I'm thinking there's going to be someday technology that's going to help us do this much, much better, right? But my dad was never a map type of guy. He was always like, I know where we're going, Phyllis, don't worry about it. I've got this under control. And, you know, we're, we're getting there, and we're like three hours late because my dad has no idea what's going on, you know? Watch this. Let's take a look in, in Scripture John chapter 19, 20 through 29. Understand that we have a need. We need to acknowledge it. Later, knowing that everything had been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, and this is his fifth statement on the cross. He says this. You've probably never seen it this way. He says, I'm thirsty. In other words, I have a need. I need help with this. Here he is in, in his worst day, and, and he says something that we've, we've overlooked so much. But Jesus had a need. And he said, I am thirsty. It says a jar of wine uh, vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. None of us are self-sufficient that we don't have times when we need other people's help. Why do you think we're here in this atmosphere together? Because we need each other's help. Look, there's times where I come in here and I stand right there and I don't feel like being here. I've had a bad morning. I'm not feeling the message. I'm going, everything's going through my mind. I've got problems I'm going to face tomorrow or I faced this past week and my mind's scatterbrained. And there's moments, yeah, like that right there. And there's moments, listen, let's be honest, where, where, where we're just, we don't feel like it. But man, you know what? Something happens. When we acknowledge that there's a problem and we begin to allow, especially when we come into a setting like this, and we can allow the power of the Holy Spirit that is what? Flowing through us as the body of Christ. And all of a sudden, that moment where we become so disinterested, we become so disconnected, all of a sudden it's like we, little by little, things begin to change and a connectivity happens. And next thing you know, you're not thinking about everything else. You're honed in on what God wants to do within your life. In that moment, Jesus, look, realized he had a need. What is your need? What do you need God to touch in your life? Don't be so stubborn that you think you can handle it on your own, because I promise you, your resolution will not be a resolution. It will just be a continuation of the problem. But when we allow God to step in and to intervene, it's amazing how he takes care of things. All right, here we go. Let's take a look at number six. Be assured there is a purpose and an end. In other words, there is a purpose in your pain, and eventually that pain is going to end. Two things. God is going to turn your situation around for the good and his purpose, and there is always an end. In other words, no more sighing, crying, mourning, right? No more filing taxes. Why? Because what is our end? Jesus and his kingdom. That is my end. 
Paul literally tells us, and you guys already know this, I say it all the time, my life is nothing but a vapor compared to what my eternal existence is going to be. And as a Christ follower, I know where my existence is, and it is going to be in the kingdom of heaven. So regardless of everything else that may be happening around me, I can have joy and peace and understanding that one day, the pain that I'm going through, it may have a purpose to touch somebody's life, but regardless, my end is going to be joyful as I rejoice in the kingdom of God. Wake up. If you're a Christ follower, your end is heaven. And truly, that's the beginning. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Thank you. Yes, it is going to be exciting. Let's take a look here. The sixth statement in John 19.30, Jesus says this word, these words, it is finished. He wasn't talking about his life, but rather he was talking about the curse of what? The devil on our lives. The Bible says that he conquered the grave, that he conquered the cross. He didn't do that just for himself, but he did that specifically for your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16-17 says this, Therefore we do not lose heart. In other words, don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed, what? Day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Mm. You may be going through tough times, but there is an end coming your way. Here we go. Number seven, the last one. And I love this. Finally. Surrender your day to God and let it go. Jesus' final statement in Luke chapter 23, verse 46 says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. You know, there's some of us in this room today that need to do just that. You've been trying to solve all of these things yourself. You've been so stubborn that you've not just surrendered. I love it because today you have an option. You can either continue to do, to do the things your way, or you can give it all to Jesus himself. There's a song. I'm going to read the, script, read the words. I don't sing. I'm not going to sing. But you'll, you'll remember this song. It's, it's an old one, but a good one. You ever heard that statement before, right? It says, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my what? Blessed Savior. I surrender all. Stand with me this morning. I almost hate seeing this series come to an end. I'll probably continue it maybe next year. And we'll look at some more of those individuals and pull them out and see what the, the Bible says about them. But out of everything that we have learned, 
through this sermon series, all those characteristics, all those things and words of encouragement that we have received. There's no greater message than the one that Jesus was born, that he lived his life, his ministry, he did great things. No greater thing than when he was beaten, tortured, spat upon, ridiculed, mocked, that he was nailed on the cross in shame that he died. Nothing greater than when he was placed in that grave. And nothing greater than on that third day he rose again. And why did he do that? For you. All of it was for you. Because he loves you. He cares about you so much. And all he says to us today is like, look, I know life's hard. Hello, look what I went through on my worst day. I understand you've had some bad days. And I sympathize with you on that. I'm sorry that you've gone through them. Some of them you've done yourself. Others have been completely out of your control. But regardless, I still love you. I care for you. So much so that I died on a cross. I was beaten. I was tortured. What? For you. So that you can do this one simple thing. And say this one simple phrase. Lord, I surrender all. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you don't know who this Jesus is. Maybe he's not the Lord of your life. I want that to change today. God wants that to change today. Jesus wants that to change today. Bow your heads, close your eyes with me for these next few moments. I want you to do a reflection of your life. I want to allow the Holy Spirit to to speak to you right where you are right now, you individually, specifically. This is a moment where nothing else is going on around you. This is a moment where you can just block everything else out and say, Lord, talk to me. Speak to me right now. Because you might be here today and you don't know who this Jesus Christ is, but you've been feeling this tug in your spirit saying some things need to change. Today is the day that I need to give this all over to him. Today's the day that I need to do as that song says, I surrender all, Lord. I surrender it all to you. If that's you today, and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to slip your hand up. I see those hands. More importantly, God sees those hands. I see that hand. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. I see that hand. Thank you, Father. Wow. Let's say this prayer together as a church, corporately. Lord Jesus, today, I accept you as my Lord, my Master, my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. I love you with everything in me. Lead me, Lord. 
Guide me. Protect me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. Amen. Now, that whole phrase, I surrender all. It still means for us as a Christ follower to say, Lord, my emotions, I need to surrender. My cares and anxieties, I need to surrender. Father, you know, I've, I've, I've had a bad attitude. I need to surrender that. Watch this. <laughs> I need to forgive others. I need to surrender that to you today. Even in my worst day, my attitude has not been like yours. I need to surrender. My whys, I need to surrender to you today. I need to acknowledge that I have a need. Lord, I need to surrender that to you today. Hey, I've been very transparent. I think I'll fall into at least four of these. Anybody else with me? Do you fall into one of these today? Let's pray. God, you see all of us in this room. And Father, there are things about us that we need you to change in us. God, we need to forgive other people. The wise really don't matter because, Lord, you've got purpose. And in the end, we're with you anyway. Father, we need to acknowledge that we do have need within our lives. God, that we need you to help give us a direction. God, that we need to be in a place, God, where we can be encouraged by others and understand, Lord, that you have placed people in our lives to help us in these times of need, but they can't help if we're not looking for direction. So God, today we're a church full of people who are saying, Lord, we need to surrender all of these things to you. We need you, God, to to, to lead our lives, to direct us in the paths of righteousness, to, to direct us in the plan, purpose, and will that you have. We need to set our own agendas and our own desires to the side and make sure our desires line up with what your will is and what you want for our lives, God, not what we want. Help our attitudes, Lord, to be different. Help our outlook, God, to be about what you want and not about what we want, Father. So, Father, change us from the inside out. Renew us in our spirits from the inside out. God, may we accept the challenge that's been laid before us today allowing you to bring the change so that we could be better disciples and spreading the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in every setting that we find ourselves in. And we love you and we thank you. And so, Father, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, and the church says, Amen, amen. Happy Father's Day. God bless you.